anyway, anyway, moving on. We're not the Magic the Gathering podcast. We're the Black Tower podcast. Here to taint you. I think there are Black today. Towers in Magic. <laughs> I mean, Command Tower, if you tab it for black, I guess. Man knows what he's talking about. <laughs> I would tap this for whatever I want. Right. I'll leave one mana of whatever I wind up needing in five minutes floating. That, there you that's go. how the card works. Um, but no. But we are the Black Tower podcast. That is correct. We talk yeah, about we talk magic. About we talk about Marvel. We talk about uh, Harry Potter. We talk about DC. We also mostly talk about Wheel of Time, but uh, we definitely delve into all of those things, plus a ridiculous amount of anime. <laughs> You said delve, and we're talking about magic. Right? <laughs> Got him. <laughs> the puns never stop coming. But yes. Uh, and we are here uh, literally days before Jordan Con for us. If you are listening live or as we are recording this, uh, Josh is not here with us because work is fucking crazy. And he's, and he's still stuck playing with stuff. I wasn't going <laughs> to just out him. I don't know how much of an out that is, but that's not that much of an out. Everybody knows that uh, about Josh. Know. Everybody, knows. <laughs> everybody knows. But yeah, poor, poor Joshy Poo is uh, finishing up with work, and then he's got to get packed and ready for Jordan Con. So, um, though luckily none of us this year will be flying the absolutely fictitious and definitely not real airline named Spirit. So, yep, it's just a made up let's name. Just, I just came let's up just make up an airline, <laughs> something like Delta Airlines. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but uh, so we're gearing up for all that. I, for one, will not be sleeping tonight because I chose to fly out at six o'clock in the morning. Yep, my gross. time. Yeah. So yeah, thankfully, I'll be, I'll be leaving here at like two thirty a.m. Yeah, gross. to get to Jacksonville to be on a plane by six to be. I'll be in Atlanta by eight in the morning. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I. I don't know. I guess I just wanted a full day since we're not going to be there Monday. So that's fair. Yeah, I uh, I will be hopping on a plane at ten o'clock, so I will be at the airport around eight thirty ish. But I do have a connection, so I will be going through Texas. I think that's Dallas Fort Worth. I don't think so. I think it's. Houston. Yeah. So I'm going through Houston. Yeah. I would say that's weird, but I don't fly enough to know if it's weird. I just know every connecting flight I've ever had in Texas goes through Dallas, Fort Worth. Well, it depends on what you're flying because all of them have different hubs. So I don't know whether it just ended up being like uh, smarter to go through Houston for United or that's actually like their hub. But yeah, Dallas, Fort Worth airport is so fucking big. Oh, yeah. Well, hopefully Houston doesn't have a problem. Yeah, anyway, this has been the Black Tower podcast, guys. <laughs> <laughs> We're dissolving three days before Jordan gone. Yeah, nope. Uh, yeah. We can have our media passes back. We're not using that. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, if you're man. listening live and you're coming, uh, I know we posted it out on Twitter, but don't forget to bring your challenge coins if you have some. If you don't, but you know someone that does and isn't coming, uh, honestly, <laughs> we're not going to know any. We're not going to be any of the wiser if, if you just borrow them, and it makes it more that fun. That is true. 
I'm honestly curious to see if we'll get turned. Honestly, I'm really curious if there's going to be 13 people around us at one time with their coins. That would be amazing. It would also be terrible and I would hate it, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is what it is. But if you don't have challenge coins, head on over to blacktowerpod.com. It has links for our Patreon. It is the only place other than JordanCon and maybe WatCon. We hadn't decided yet. We deserve the right to reveal that later. Uh, where you can get Black Tower Podcast coins. Uh, you get the sword coin at the dedicated level. You get the dragon coin at the... Uh, Ashaman level. Ashaman level. So if you're at the dedicated level, this is what your coin will look like. It has our logo on the back and then a sword on the front. These aren't plastic with little inserts. These are, uh, as we found out from everybody this past Jordan Con, uh, the one last year, surprisingly hefty and weighty. And I would show the dragon coin, but it's in my wallet because I never forget it. There, there, there you go. That's a good angle. So our logo on the back and the dragon head from our logo on the front. Um, if you are of the dedicated or soldier tier and you happen to be listening right now, or you catch this early enough being earlier than 6 a.m. California time Wednesday, you may try to send us a message and we, we can bring it to you at JordanCon. Currently, only Correct. one patron member has received their coin at JordanCon, and that's Rob from Weekly World News. So, Correct. But if you are not a patron or you're not a patron at the level to get coins and you really want coins, pay attention to our Twitter, maybe our Instagram, uh, maybe uh. Discord, wherever we post it. Each day of JordanCon, that is Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, we will be giving away one sword coin and one dragon coin. And if you're the first to find us when we tweet that out or whatever we do with it, go ahead. Uh, or if you're the first to find us, you'll get it. Whichever coin we are giving away. Um, there is no 2020 mixology book, Sexy Morshadi. It's all a lie. We just wanted to pretend 2020 didn't happen. Uh-huh. So yep. I'm going to go with that excuse. I do also so, like the... Uh, what coin do you get at the family member level? And the answer is uh, PDF. That was correct. <laughs> PDF of the coin. <laughs> you um, can cut it out and take it with you. It's made of papier. Yeah. You can actually <laughs> just uh, take a clip from any of the videos we've shown them in and just print it out. There you go. Yeah, that works. So, I would say you could get your own printed, but uh, okay. Have fun finding someone that'll print just one of, of a coin because, uh, yeah. Actually, I'm enough. sure they exist. I just can't find who they are. <laughs> yes, because we do have a dream to have my hail coins, but for now, oh, it's going to happen at some point. I just don't know exactly when. <laughs> yeah, but hey, uh, while you're on blacktowerpod.com, after you've secured your coins or your other patron benefits, some of them, uh, most of them are pretty dope. Um, I'm not going to tell you that they're all dope because it depends on your definition of dope. I think they're all dope, but I also... None of them are marijuana, so so like... Oh yeah, they're not not actual dope. None of them are... What if we had like, what if we had like a patron program specifically for states that had legalized marijuana? I mean... I would... I would be down. (laughs) 
Watch out. Uh, for all other stuff, Black Tower Podcast, including merch, all of our socials, all of that fun stuff, make sure you check out blacktowerpod.com. Now, if you are like me, and you're going to be traveling in the wee hours of the morning, knowing very well that you're going to be tired and low on energy, boy, do we have the deal for you. Uh, we are happy to be partnered, affiliated with, whatever the proper term is. I'm not a lawyer. Uh, with Dubby Energy, that's Dubby.gg for their website. But if you're interested in getting some fantastic energy supplements that are uh, assured to not give you the jitters unless you you know, take too much of it like Josh did, don't do two scoops, follow the instructions, people. With no artificial preservatives, no artificial coloring, and really amazing flavors, check down in the show notes or description below or use code BTP, Bravo Tango Papa at checkout to get 10% off your order on W on products that are not already discounted. Yep. And honestly, the, the flavors that we've gotten are actually quite nice. So like he's not just blowing smoke up your ass about those flavors. They are actually pretty good. Yeah. I, I can assure you that 99% of things that we ever are able to bring you a discount code for, we will try before we recommend them. There's Correct. a reason we haven't shouted out, you know, a certain adult website yet. We still got to try yeah. it, I guess. I don't, I don't, I don't have, have I haven't put any of the, the things inside me yet. Oh, wait. <laughs> oh, shoot. Yeah. No. And W actually does, does work for me. It does help kind of wake me up and give me some focus. So, I mean, I did get nos for the trip, but, you know. Yeah, I was going to say, probably it. not. I, it definitely doesn't affect me as much as something like a nos would. Uh, but it is just the, like, one just under that, if that makes sense. A little more focus, a little more energy. Yeah. There you go. But with that said and done, we're going to go ahead and protect you for this episode and give you the spoiler warning before we get into today's topic. Indeed. This episode contains spoilers from the entire Wheel of Time series. If you have not read the series, you are at risk of being spoiled. You have been warned. And I am terrified at the suggestion that the adult website might be Bad Dragon. Why? Have you ever been to BadDragon.com? I have. Uh, then for, for me, for me, you know me. Probably have a good idea why I would be terrified. Like if I walked into like someone's room and they were like, all right, let's have some fun. And all I see is a collection of bad dragon dongs. Naked and afraid will become my new reality. I mean, technically they're not saying they're using them on you. It's true. Not necessarily. I'm assuming something there, I guess. Yeah, but that's okay. It's just uh it's just something new to to either try or to not to and just be like nope and then leave. <laughs> uh, through a litany of uh of context clues, I can assure you I'm not I'm not interested. Yes. That's fair. All right, so what are we talking about here tonight, Andrew? Uh so we're gonna talk about a little bit of the TV show and a little bit of the books for The Wheel of Time. Uh, and we're going to talk about what could Amazon do if they want it to. And we're not saying they should or have to. Mm-hmm. But what 
could Amazon do if they wanted to bring the TV show characters perfectly in line with the book characters moving forward? Yep. And so who would you like to start with? Well, you kind of had the uh, the idea before we got started recording. Let's uh, let's start with Perrin. He Why is not? the one who I kind of feel like he's a little bit the furthest from his book self in the show. Right. So he's definitely one of the ones where like they do have sort of their work cut out for them or like some of the most work to do. If, again, as you said, they have a desire to make him book Perrin later on. Because uh, I think he's actually, as I said, sort of the furthest from his book self. Definitely feels the, the least... The least the Perrin that we see in the books. Which, granted, I mean, he's also the one who has the storyline that's the least... Uh, close to the book storyline <laughs> seeing as how they wrote in a whole new one <laughs> so I mean, it kind of yeah, makes sense def- definitely changed uh from the onset for sure um though i guess maureen is also know, like, fairly different here at this point mm-hmm. but but still i think yeah. parent is furthest yeah i mean so for one we got to get rid of the flickering eyes they got they got to be steady which i'm pretty sure they're going to do anyway it's far too easy to do to not do it right um, and that's one of the things i talked about with uh with Winespring and critter and uh tavir and tavern uh when i went on on will and show because we talked about mm-hmm. you know Perrin and matt book versus show kind of stuff yep so i feel like that's pretty easy to do um i'm still a much bigger fan of his motivators in the books but the big difference between the books and the TV show, uh, as we've said many times and many other people have said many times, in the books, you can be inside every character's head. You can hear what they're thinking about every situation that's going on. Can't really do that on, the, on, on TV, uh, at oh. least not as well to make it as enjoyable as the show needs to be. Yes. And I was actually going to say, I mean, the, the actor, I mean, he's... The, Marcus is doing a great job of giving you a lot with, you know, just a look and just with facial expressions and things like that. But I I don't think that there's an actor alive, an actor who exists in this realm, who could actually give you everything that Perrin gives you in the book, in his thoughts, without like monologuing those thoughts. Yeah. No, I acting does not exist to communicate everything that he would need to if they were actually making it strictly parent or book parent. It'd be a really long freeze frame. Right? And I don't want that. Strange. Bet you're wondering how I got here. <laughs> oh yeah. Um I I think moving forward. Uh, and they may do this. I mean, you know, it, everything is kind of up in the air exactly how they're going to do. They they changed or enough went differently than than it did from the books in season one to leave a lot open, uh, to mm-hmm. be done, which I do like and I do appreciate. Now, it's a smart move for sure. But we have to give to bring Perrin perfectly back in line with book Perrin. He has to have an absolute blood rage moment. Oh, yeah. 
he has he has yet to really have that yeah because that's what sets up the whole like caution with him in between human parent and wolf parent um and it's to me that's part of what makes like the elias and noam so impactful in the story is uh i know i've said it before noam you get on the far end it's gone completely wolf elias is kind of half and half but leaning more wolf than human and then you have parent that wants to go full tilt human and barely do or deal with anything with the wolves unless he absolutely has to so which i think is respectable you know it's kind of like a power that he knows could take him over and he's trying to minimize and, and reduce that chance but yeah so he's gonna have to have an absolute blood rage moment and I don't think we going all... back and trying to reveal that everything with Layla Ibarra was, you know, the start oh, of no. his wolf yeah. brother rage. Um, we would have had the scene like the yellow eyes or, or, or golden eyes in that scene to make that indicative. And I don't want them to do like they did with Rand, revealing that Rand can channel going back and like, oh, well, here's the flashbacks, all these scenes where it actually happened. Um, I feel like that kind of cheapens not only the impact of those flashbacks to reveal like, hey, we intentionally didn't show you this because we wanted it to be a mystery. And I think it cheapens uh, the, the blood rage. Well, it's also interesting because uh, I, I also agree with that. I definitely don't want them to like flashback into, oh, these are all the times that you just didn't notice that Perrin was doing wolf things. And you're like, no, fuck right off. Um, with Rand, I thought they actually did it very well, where they like actually telegraphed more than once that he was channeling. And there was only the one time in the ways where like they did set it up to be mildly misleading. But at the same time, you were also like, okay, but it's not like you specifically misled me. It's just that you did it in a way that it could have been multiple people. And now you're revealing that it was him. But like with the door in the with uh, Dana. Like, oh, you Brinsford. fucking knew that was Rand. You absolutely oh, yeah. knew that was Rand. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, like, uh, you can't have his blood rage, but like, part of what made. Yeah, no, it needs to be the, on the screen, blood rage so impactful. It needs to be right there. You need to be mm. with Perrin at that point. But yeah, yeah. sorry. But it, I mean, what, part of what made it so impactful is the fact that, like, he didn't kill anybody that he knew or definitely didn't even like. It was a, a an absolute wolf brother response to Hopper. Mm-hmm. And I think we still need that. I mean, well, and they definitely have moments where we... Wayne, but yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, but what throws him fully, you know, he's already, you know, scared and, and worried about what's going to happen. Um, and then all that goes away whenever Hopper is killed and he just goes yeah. into a, a full rage because he feels everything that Hopper feels, you know, to an extent. So they can still do that. They can still have part of Valda and the questioner faction of the of the the Children of the Light tracking him down. And it could be a thing where he's gotten more attuned to his wolf brother's side and Hopper comes to his rescue and is killed and then he goes into a blood rage and they use it to just reinforce his hatred of the axe and that's when elias comes in out in the wild and is like hey yeah when you love using the axe that's the time to throw it away not now boy you still have much to do yep well and it's also interesting because again it was it was a moment where they absolutely could have and i'm not saying they needed to or anything like that but they they could have absolutely made him go full rage in the tent with Valda. 
Um, but they didn't do that because they wanted the moment with Egwene, which again, I totally agree with. And I'm not saying it was a bad choice. It's just one of those things where like that was a, an opportunity where it would have made a lot of sense to have uh, Perrin go rage and they didn't. Um, so I think that they very, very well may be uh, saving that for after he meets Elias, because right now he's just so confused about everything that's happening to him wolf-wise in general. And since they've already confirmed that they have an Elias for season two um, or season three, I think it's season two, uh, since they've definitely confirmed Elias, um, I think it's a good opportunity. I, I almost... It's not that I like it better than the books. I like what they're doing where like he actually gets more wolfiness and then meets Elias rather than in the books where he almost exclusively has wolf stuff after meeting Elias. Mm. If that makes sense. Um, But at the same time, I do still think that Elias is necessary to really like reinforce all of the things that he's doing as far as the wolf. Uh, help him understand what that actually is rather than his just utter confusion about it right now in the show. <laughs> yeah. Because he has I mean, no of, fucking clue what it is in the show right now. Yeah. Well, for me, like one of the big draws of, of Perrin's arc in the books is that his initial aversion to the axe is violence. He has an aversion to violence. You know, he's a very gentle giant. He doesn't, you know, want to be pushed to violence. And well, and not only that, I mean, like, he's so gentle that he even says, at least, that he thinks about things really hard so that he doesn't even accidentally hurt someone. Like, with a yeah, Well, hug. he goes into that like, kind I mean, of after. That, but like, yeah, well, he goes into that after after the violence, uh, after he's really exposed to violence. Um, no, more so he, than before. No, he says that in The Two Rivers. I mean, he definitely, like, has a POV where he's like, I think about things really hard because I've always been a big kid and I've always been worried about accidentally hurting people with my bigness. It gets way bigger, and you're totally correct, 100%. Once he, once he actually experiences violence, he's like, no, now this is like a calling, and I'm never fucking doing anything else. Yeah, well, I mean, but, I, don't, I don't really count him saying it in The Two Rivers because he's never been in a position where he's actually really had to think about that other than like you know every other angry kid getting angry at other people or their friends um there's a difference between lashing out in anger and experiencing true violence Um, oh completely very very drastic difference so uh, i mean he makes kind of the same statement but one is like i don't want to accidentally punch a friend in the face because i'm angry versus i don't want to accidentally cut my friend in half with an axe because I'm angry. Um, yep, those are two very different things. <laughs> yeah, but but either way, like part of what makes Perrin's like, journey to me so compelling is that he goes, he experiences true violence um, and perpetrates true violence and, and pure rage. So kind of like his biggest fear at the time multiplied by like a factor of five or ten. Oh, yeah. Because he's gone from punching someone in the face to killing two people and the uh, a fair portion of the rest of his journey uh and i believe one of the biggest parts that that fiel plays in his journey is him learning that sometimes and the defense of what's right and the defense of that what you love that sometimes you have no option but violence and that you shouldn't enjoy it that you shouldn't love it 
you know, you should still try to avoid it, avoid it. It is a tool. But sometimes you don't have another option, you know, yes. and it's it not is because a tool you're not willing to be in your arsenal, but not the one you should always reach for. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, sometimes like a, a lot of what people do and a lot of people that do have to participate in or commit violence, is it because they have an aversion to peace? It's because whatever situation or person or people they're dealing with refuse to entertain the idea of peaceful resolution. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's kind of one of the things to me, parent is, is kind of the epitome of that, you know, nothing, nothing, fear, nothing more than a good man prepared to do violence. So I really liked it. I really, that that's the overall part of parents art. like, I like parents overall arc. I don't like a lot of stuff in parents art. Yeah. So if they skip over a lot of stuff, <clears throat> failgate. Um, in what? the TV show, <laughs> I'll I'll survive. Uh, Parents yes. arc is the one I'm I'm the least concerned with because the core of what makes Parent Parent is still definitely there. It's there in a different way. Um, I again, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the way they introduced his aversion to violence. Um, well, so it's also it means interesting to me. They like out of necessity, they'll have to go in a slightly different way of him coming to terms with violence than they do in the book. Still, very much the same effect, but different. well, I was actually going to say things because one of the things that I hadn't noticed until somewhat recently, and I I'm not 100 percent sure why it took me this long, but in the journey. Uh, that Elias and Egwene and Perrin make to getting back to the group once they're separated in Chatterlegoth is uh, one of the with the things that one of the things that they skipped over partially because Elias wasn't there is the scene where in Perrin's brain he accepts the fact that he. Uh, that he makes the decision to end Egwene's life rather than have her get torn apart by the Ravens. Um, and he struggles with that particular thing that he actually made okay in his head in some ways for a long time after that moment. In the television show, they actually have him go through with something. And it's definitely an accident rather than a like conscious decision for a lesser of two evils. But I do think that those are actually sort of very much branching from the same root, if that makes sense. Um, as far as coming to terms with who you are and what you're capable of. Uh, they're just two different paths of that same core. And so I don't actually have nearly as much of a problem with that particular thing because Perrin goes through that uh, experience in the books. It's just born out of a different branch. Um, and it is definitely a more intense branch. Don't get me wrong. Actually committing murder, um, even if accidental, is definitely different than consciously making the decision to kill someone for their benefit. Versus negligent homicide right <laughs> yeah i mean no, i get it because like in in many of the conversations we've had like on the show and off the show um we have, we have very different ideals about certain things sure um, yeah, yeah which I, I i love and a lot of people do and this is what makes good friends if we were all the same this would be really fucking boring 
So <laughs> I think uh, that's that's going to lead to different uh, interpretations and different segments of all the stories that we're going to. Oh, true. So like a change that, you know, means more to me or is more of a, a large scale change to me may not be as much of a large scale change to you. Or, sure. you know, something that maybe fits more in line with, with how you view Perrin. Um, also, I'm going to take valid. a second. I'm going to take a second here. Just guys, one. guys. You know what? Take, take eight. Fridging is a thing. And it's actually a pretty shitty mechanic in storytelling. Um, and I don't actually agree with it overall. Uh, however, I will say that there are two major differences between the general idea of fridging uh, that is in the, the, the explanation and definition of fridging and what they did to Layla. Because number one, the protagonist killed her. It is not a, the antagonist is using this for the motivation of the main character or protagonist to go after them it was a protagonist who killed the girl also just because in this particular case Layla was female and Perrin was male the exact same thing could have happened the other way around and it would have had the exact same motivation for the female Perrin and that is actually a big difference with the intent of fridging the intent of fridging makes the the person who's killed an object. And I don't feel like Layla was an object in the show. She was there for a short amount of time. Um, but but she was definitely a full character. Like not a long character, but a, a developed character that we cared about. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I mean, so like where, where fridging comes from, for, for those that don't know, uh, it came yes. from an issue of the Green Lantern comic series where his partner was killed and stuffed in a fridge for the protagonist to find, which then gave him a motivation to seek out the antagonist. I think, Correct. I think the term has somewhat changed to just refer to the killing or hurting of a minor character to motivate a major or main character to do anything i think that's more colloquially how it's used rather than like correct the exact like antagonist doing it to the protagonist i mean well actually that's you can argue all day and long that there's many times in the books that like the emmons builders five are their own antagonist plenty of times i mean okay that is a fair point i'm not gonna it's disagree a cop-out answer that, but... <laughs> but it's but it's still true i'm not saying you're wrong but i'm just thinking like colloquially i think when people use fridging they just mean like the the general kind of a vent in, in general, not necessarily that the antagonist or, or whatever did it. Though, to, though that is how it started. So you're by no stretch of the imagination wrong. And I agree with you. I, I, even in either definition, um, I don't like it either. Um, I don't like... But I do understand why people have a problem with it and why this one yeah. was definitely, at the very minimum, compared to, if not defined as, fridging. But anyway. Yeah. Oh, does that just mean that Eliana was the original Friggy? I mean, I'm pretty sure that uh, that the Wheel of Time 
postdates uh, that particular comic of Green Lantern. But yes, in the Wheel of Time, I think Eliana was... Oh, in, within the Wheel of Time, sorry. <laughs> yes, within the Wheel of Time, I would 100% say that uh, if you were yeah. going to say that anyone was fringed the hardest and the earliest, it's Eliana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think there are... <laughs> There are better motivators, and that might be part of why I like the book parents' motivation to leave. Oh, I I like book parents' yeah, motivation like character- better than than TV show as well. I don't have as much of a problem with TV show as some people do, but that definitely doesn't mean that I like TV show more than book as far as well, motivation. I feel like if it's worth uh, casting. Uh, a new character, creating the new character, working the new character into the pre-existing story and, you know, altering what must be altered to bring in that character, which to be fair, wasn't a ton um, in the narrow scheme of episode one or season one. Well, yeah, episode one for her. Um, That it's worth giving more time to that character. Um, Yeah, no, I I don't don't see the point like well, no, I mean, the, the point was obviously to give Perrin a more in-your-face, dramatic reason to want to be away from Amon's field. Yep. So, And to not have as much pull yeah. to stay and to easily give him a reason to go. Yep. Yeah. I don't like but, it. I think Perrin's original motivation was perfectly fine. You know, they're coming for you. They're going to try to kill your family. Oh, well, I love my family. So I'm going to leave. Yeah. Um, which is ultimately what, like, what Rand's uh, entire motivation to leave is. Like, oh, if I stay here, they're going to try to kill my dad again. So I'm going to leave. Yeah. Though, again, I mean, my one other thing about that, which, again, completely agreed. I, I will say that Perrin's is, or uh, Rand's is so much easier because we see his family member hurt on screen in both mm-hmm. the TV show and oh, we the We see book. Perrin's family member hurt on screen, too. Uh, no, we don't. On screen. We we see them hurt off. Oh, 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 yes. In the TV show. Yes. In the TV show. We don't see any of Perrin's family get hurt in the books. And yeah. that's actually the, the one thing is that if there wasn't Layla, you don't actually see either of Matt or Perrin's family members hurt on screen, uh, which is accurate to the book, though we do see them both in danger. And that that is legit as far as difference between the TV show and the books, because they talk a little bit about what happened off screen when Rand gets to the, to Emmons field after winter night. And they're like, Oh, we were in a lot of danger, but nobody gets hurt and you don't feel the danger because it happened before you ever actually get there. Um, In the TV show, you feel the danger, even if Layla doesn't die. Like you definitely feel like Matt was protecting his siblings. Like, they were hiding for their lives and Perrin and Layla in the forge are fighting for their lives. So even if she doesn't die, you feel that danger in your bones. And it definitely makes leaving the next morning, you know, feel very right. Even if she doesn't die. Um, It's just that. Yeah. Yeah. So if Amazon's going to bring Perrin back in line purely uh, and fully with the books, Again, to say this again, because people like to not hear things, not saying that they need to or have to or that they should, but if they chose to do so, if Rafe was like, you know what, let's go back purely in line with the books. Um, Or get as close as we can at this point. Yeah. 
Definitely. He's got to have his blood, blood rage. rage. Is extremely He's important. got to learn the life lesson about violence from Elias. Mm-hmm. Um, the eyes I think need to be fixed. to the point where season one ends, I think that pretty much brings Perrin mostly back on track because he still gets his experience with the uh with the tinkers or the traveling yeah. people or the tuathan tuathan yeah that one yep you said it right i tried to i, I put like two apostrophes in there it's close enough that's there's um, one so you were um, right about that <laughs> well you know it's what the I felt they deserve to. on yeah well spelling's not my strong suit i guess especially a language that's not mine right a language that no one actually yet. really speaks. <laughs> Even though, like, I am noticing like white hairs on my beard. Same. Fucking bunch of old fogies over here. I uh, know, right? We're on our way out. It's <laughs> probably so, be the there... last year of the podcast, guys. I don't know <laughs> if we'll make it into year four. <laughs> Welcome to season fifty-seven, episode four. Oh, I had to bury Andrew yesterday. Oh Quite God. Sad. Josh is next. We slapped a sword pin on his forehead. <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> oh, that was nice. I like oh, that. God. Uh, so anything else that ha- would have to happen for Perrin uh, where we're ending with season one to be back online if he was going to be purely in line with the books? Uh, definitely the eyes, as you mentioned before. That's another thing that really needs mm. to be uh, sort of fixed. Uh, or matched, if you will. I'm going to use the word matched as far as TV show to book. Um, And I think think you hit on the other two. I think those three things, um, the eyes, the blood rage, and the... uh, The lesson with Elias. Those eyes, those yellow eyes. (laughs) Oh. Like she was the yep. she was the gangsterest Aunt May ever. Like literally, like beating Doc Ock with a purse. Come on, I mean, which I did finally yep. see No Way Home, and I laughed, I cried. It was a really great movie. Yeah, I, No Way Home was actually really awesome. Right, it was really good. If you haven't seen it, you can get it for like twenty bucks on YouTube right now. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. But um, all right, uh, I picked Perrin, which kind of you picked, but you picked the next one. Uh, let's go with Egwene. I think she's actually sort of the next one to do, um, because I think she's also one of the people who's a little further off from where she is in the book, just because to her credit, she actually starts better and I'm using better loosely, uh, in the show where she's not as much of a whiny little naive girl. Like a, a whiny, naive little girl. That's the order in which I wanted to say those words. Um, she's definitely more of a strong character from the jump. Um, has more motiva- motivation because she is described as Tavirin in the show. Um, and what? I don't, I don't think she is. No, she says for Tavirin. Maureen says for Tavirin. She says that there are rumored to be four Tavirin there. It's never confirmed who the four Tavirin are. I mean, okay. we're assume- <laughs> we assumed a lot of things. And I'm, yeah, is yeah. she the most likely one if there is a four Tavirin? Yes. I think it could just as easily be them saying, well, she's not. 
it's only three. The rumor just said four, and there's only three. Or it could be the other way. It could be, no, they all five are. Because the only time we see the vision of all the sparkles around everyone from men is with Rand, Matt, Perrin, and Nynaeve in the bar. I don't think Egwene is there. I could very much be remembering wrong because it has been many weeks since I watched it, but I don't think Egwene was there at the moment. I don't remember. I'd have to rewatch it. I don't know. It was episode seven, I believe. Correct. When they first go into the bar uh, and Moraine is asking them about what she sees or about the others. I couldn't tell you what what Egwene was doing. Yeah. I will be rewatching it. Probably on the flight, and once I get to the hotel, whenever they let me check in. But makes sense. Um, but yeah, so I definitely think that uh, that Egwene, I, I, to me, really needs if they're going to make her sort of by the end of season one or during season two or or whatever you want to call it. Sort of, um, I think she needs to be she needs to get things wrong a little more and show that she is more of a child now or like I'm wrong. I'm definitely wrong because I'm dumb because Matt didn't go through the way gate. So it is a Gwen, Randy, Perrin, and Rand. Matt is not there. That is correct. I actually didn't think about that until you just said that, but yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, uh, I would definitely say that as far as I am concerned, um, uh, she definitely needs to, I, I think it takes a little bit away from her character of arc, from her character development, that she is actually one of the most the ones who changes the most from book one to book 14, uh, if she actually starts out already so intelligent and, uh, you know, worldly and um, already knows so much about what's going on and reacts very well to different situations and things like that. Um, it actually makes the, the later on Egwene who goes, I've learned now I'm more grown up. The world is a lot less black and white than I thought it was. It takes some of that character development away if she, from the beginning, goes, yeah, I know how to react to stuff. And you're like, great, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think a big part of what makes Egwene move from a, a character that I- I've made no secret, I don't like early book Egwene. I really don't. Um, yeah is that as she learns more, she learns more about the world in some of the harshest ways possible. That is uh, also at the beginning. So it's a very hard lesson learned by her that humbles her a lot and very quickly, but also props her up because of the experiences and what she learns during them. So it, it builds her up in some ways and breaks her down in other ways. It kind Mm -hmm. of feels like, like basic training, but like, medieval and terrible yes (laughs) most of it not by choice (laughs) yeah yeah you know it's like conscripted basic training in the medieval times uh, which uh i think was very common except for the training part (laughs) run that direction and just try to hit anybody that you see stick them with the pointy end (laughs) but yeah um 
It definitely seems like the Egwene in the TV show has spent a lot more time around the women's circle and Nynaeve is the wisdom and is a more well-rounded person at the beginning, but she still has what makes early book Egwene Egwene. Um, she definitely has the wanderlust. She definitely has the confidence, which is never a bad thing unless it starts teetering over into arrogance. Yes. Um, which seems more in the TV show to kind of ebb and flow with her. There are points where it seems like she's being fairly arrogant. There are points where she's just being confident. Um, yep. Honestly, I, I love Egwene in the TV show a lot more than I like Egwene I, in the books in either world. Completely agree. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it feels more realistic. Like, I don't know anybody that's that people like and want to be around that is that much of a of just arrogant and I know everything kind of mentality. Not that, not that she's fully that way, but you get what I'm trying to say. No, but there like, is a lot style. of that in the sh- in the book. Is when yeah. you first meet her, she definitely seems to think that she knows just about everything, and in fact. You could kind of say the same thing about Nynaeve as well, but you kind of understand hers a little bit more because from the jump, you understand that Nynaeve has always or has been overlooked and like dismissed Hmm. for years. And Gwen doesn't ever get that description. She doesn't actually have that chip in so many ways from the beginning of the books. But she does also have that chip for some reason. Like, she doesn't have a good reason to have it, but she just does. And she's like, shut up, Rand. I know what I'm doing. And you're like, I'm not saying that Rand knows what he's doing better than you do, but you don't know what you're doing. So shut up. That's that's the funny part. None of you know what you're doing. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) How do we know what we're doing? That's the funny part. You don't. That's my secret, Cap. None of us know what we're doing. Yeah, um, and it could have just been that maybe Egwene was was somewhat poorly explained or expounded upon in book one. Maybe like it's, there is a good reason. Maybe it is. It could be honestly, uh, if the books had come out and said it was just uh, as simple as the fact as uh, her her being Nynaeve's apprentice and people looking at Nynaeve, you know, being twenty seven, the youngest village wisdom to ever uh, grace Amon's field, at least that they know of. And now Egwene, younger than her, being her apprentice, coming up yeah. very quickly behind her. You know, I could see that because there's uh, that's a bit of a a trope in at least Eastern style movies where, you know, if the master is young, they're always disregarded and their disciples are always disregarded. I mean, that, that happens a lot with uh, Ip Man, not because he's young, but because, you know, um, his style of martial arts. Uh, woo, I forgot what it is. Wing Chun. Wing Chun, that's it. Thank you. I knew at least I knew it started with a W. You did. Yeah. Um yeah, but you know, in a very sexist way, uh Wing Chun was seen as like a martial art for the for women. Um yeah. and he did a lot to show, like, no, like an effective martial art is an effective martial art, doesn't matter who uses it. Um, and that's like the entire premise for the first two Ipmon movies. Correct. That, like, oh, Wing Chun is, you know, it's it's nothing. And then everywhere he goes, people are like, oh, shit, <laughs> it's something. Well, but and of I, course, I, I will say that I, I really like the Ip Man movies. And yes, he comes with the wine. It is Ip Man, I-P-M-A-N. And I believe that there are actually that, four of them. And I think yeah, all not of to be them confused with actually... the the IT-oriented uh, pornographic spinoffs. Oh, yeah. No, totally. 
<laughs> Do not fear your routing protocols. IP man is here. <laughs> uh, but it is interesting that like that that's not an actual like problem problem that I've ever had with the movies, but it man is actually kind of humorous in terms of the way that like everybody's always looking down on Wing Chun. And then he comes into town and people are like, ugh, you're shitty martial art. Let me test myself against you. And on so many levels, you know that one of the reasons that his martial art is so good isn't even necessarily because Wing Chun is like so much better than everything else. It's just that he is so goddamn good at it. (laughs) And so you're like, okay, what they're saying isn't necessarily wrong. It's just that you... You are so good at (laughs) that. Whatever martial art you chose to do and get this good at would be the best martial art ever because you're so fucking good. (laughs) Oh, Donnie Yen. So fucking good. So fantastic. So good. Anyway. Uh, But but yeah, um, so as far as bringing, if they chose to, to, to match Egwene up with in the books um besides like we we haven't talked we didn't talk about with parent besides the obvious nature of the ending of the eye of the world um mm-hmm. i i honestly nothing jumps out and screams to me as a direction they're going with Egwene that really needs to change for her to match up with the books if they wanted to yeah it could just be forgetting a lot because i do that a lot it's more about a feel, and and I feel like to me they definitely, if they want to match the characterization that we get from the books, they really just need to play up. Again, if they want to match, I think they just need to play up the uh, the naivete and, as you said, the flirting with the border between confidence and arrogance mm-hmm. uh, with Egwene, because as I said, right now it feels like. Egwene is one of the guys in terms of, you know, she doesn't have anything super specific that she has as her character. She's, uh, she and Rand are actually like super similar in the way that like neither of them really has that much going on. Um, I mean, again, Perrin has the wolves, which aren't fully explored, but she has a thing or but he has that thing um matt has the dagger which they didn't actually fully explore but like is his thing uh rand is now the dragon Egwene is an Aes Sedai but she doesn't have that like unique thing because of course Nynaeve is also a channeler Moraine is also a channeler or at least was um you know there are uh the three ladies in in Faldara that are all channelers like it's not as specifically a Gwaine. Not anymore. Uh, yeah. It's not as specifically a Gwaine as it was, or, or as the thing that she had in the books, which was the innkeeper's daughter who can never keep her mouth shut. And again, sometimes in a good way, sometimes in very not. I'm not saying that a Gwaine was always just loud and obnoxious, but she did have the problem of being overconfident, which sometimes was good, and sometimes was not. Uh, and in the TV show, it definitely just kind of feels like she's a less confident, um, more understanding, 
and she has less to grow with to get to wise one Egwene, to get to Amerlin Egwene, to get to, you know, this, that, and the other thing Egwene. Though I do absolutely feel like part of the biggest change that she has is in the Sean Chan storyline and we haven't gotten to there yet. So I might just be being a little unfair. (laughs) I mean, it's possible. I mean, a lot of the stuff that is like pinnacle that are pinnacle moments and really important moments for Egwene do happen post eye of the world. Um, So we'll see what they do. Um, but since you mentioned Matt, let's move. Hey. Let's move into into Matt. Um, yeah, there, there's obvious, the you know, I, I, yeah. yeah, there's got to be the obvious like credence given to the fact that uh, they had to change how they were ending the filming of season one because Barney Harris departed the production uh, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So that is as come, of yet still unknown. Yeah, so that's going to come with a fair amount of kind of leniency and understanding i guess might be the best way to say it um though i don't disagree with more shoddy um yep jesus but i will i'll reserve me publicly in a recorded format making that statement until we know why yeah no um, i'm not until i forget that i said that and i say it in a, an actual episode or something no somewhere. you're good um because it's not wrong. if you want to go ahead and see what was said just go back into the live recording uh discussion and you'll get a nice little laugh but again i also feel very strongly about the until we know what actually happened we should not blame anyone we should not say statements that are in any way blameful um and definitely we're not telling you you're wrong um, we're just saying a million different reasons that it could be until we actually find out which one it is, we will reserve judgment. Once we know what it is, all bets are fucking off. Yeah. <laughs> um, but with that, I mean, uh, the obvious answer would be uh, <sighs> the the healing of the the Shadow Logoth dagger cannot be absolute. It cannot be complete from what Moraine did. Yeah. Um, he has to still be tainted by the dagger which gives the credence for Matt and friends to go and pursue the dagger. Perrin seems to have potentially his own motivation now. Um, I don't see Loyal having a motivation other than wanting to write a story about it because Loyal doesn't really seem like the vengeful kind of like, you stabbed me. I'm going to fuck your shit up. Right. He could. But, so we got to have that. I mean, he is hasty for an ogre. Yeah. Yeah, which I'll, I'll give us uh, the setup for all of the scenes with Matt and Tar the fight between Matt and Gallon and Gawain, and also the reunion of sorts. Well, the reunion of Matt and um, and Tom, which I think will be more impactful now since it was mainly Matt that dealt with Tom before. Um, Correct. I do like that. I think it really deepens their friendship and really sets the stage for Matt and Tom further in the show. So I do like that change. Not that I think it's better than the books. Yeah. It still happens in the books, but um, I think they've kind of were forced in a way to point things in that direction when they might not have went ahead and pointed things that way. I, th- I think original production, they were probably looking at Matt still tainted, but they need the dagger to do anything. So we're going to send him after the dagger 
here's Falma. Yep. Um, well, and one of the things that I definitely... But anyway, here's Waterwall. Right. <laughs> uh, is that the most popular song in John Chan? Waterwall? Yeah. Waterwall. Or as some of our friends across the pond may say, wall, wall. <laughs> I'm going to get so much hate for that. Um, but yeah, so like, <clears throat> I think that still needs to happen. Uh, I think we're going to get a lot of the Tarvalon scenes that we've kind of talked about that have become uh, kind of pinnacles or, or really standout moments for Matt. And if they go that route and they maintain that route, I think it works i'm not sure exactly how they resolve the i'm not fully healed from from the taint of shadow logoth but i'm here in tarvalon they might switch the order of that a little bit but yeah definitely possible yeah i think the the biggest thing that they really need to do is to get matt over this shadowy matt thing as quickly as possible um like still they they have to follow it through because they've set it up now already and if they just drop it it won't make any sense but if they spend too long on this dark darth matt thing uh that will definitely be a huge change from his character in the book because book matt does not actually have a shadow storyline at all he's a shithead don't get me wrong and he definitely is matt a the blackberry he is absolutely a shirk your duties and a I don't want to be anyone important kind of attitude, which is, you know, again, especially for a small town farmer, really negative in terms of your life when people are actually relying on you. But he is it's not a small town farmer living in Tarvalon. Yes. <laughs> when I was a young boy, my father took me into the city to compete with quarter staff. um but yeah no i definitely i i if there was a person that they were going to give the shadow storyline to early uh since they seem pretty committed to it matt's the one to do it but at the same time it's also a situation where i i don't know how it's really going to work out and whether it'll actually even still be particularly good in the show with this whole shadow mat like arc because that definitely is a situation where it really feels super different to his character because again Matt is never that other than when he has the dagger during the time that he has the dagger that 100 i i'm i'm not counting that and that is a thing where he's like legitimately shadow spawn like basically but past that point i don't ever feel like matt is really in any danger of turning to the shadow or doing things that are actually like particularly evil or anything along those lines he's just a very kind of like i don't want to do what i'm supposed to but not, I want to do evil things, like, <laughs> if that makes yeah. sense. Um, and so definitely, I, I feel like he's the one that they're going to be changing the most in season two. And I feel like to get him back on track with Book, they're going to have to turn that around quick. 
Yeah. And again, they don't need to. This is just if they want. But yeah, it'll have to be a pretty quick turnaround. Yeah. I'm I'm not a big fan of this uh Anakin esque storyline that he's kind of on you. Know, oh, there's a darkness in him. Like, um, I'm just not, I'm just not a fan. Like, that's that's not the map that I grew to love um from book one <laughs> and like even further on. I don't yep. like emo Matt. I like fun, mischievous Matt. Yep. Uh, and emo hoping... is so rand later, but that's like such a rand thing. <laughs> yeah. Which I, I do hope that they do bring that back uh, yes. as Donald takes over the role. And that might be kind of the big thought I think right now, what most people are kind of expecting is that a fully healed Matt will be the explanation as to why he looks so different. There'll be some explanation as to how like he's been tainted his whole life to some degree by some <laughs> that would be, or it'll be the motivation like, Oh, I felt what true taint is like, and I no longer wish to have it. I've used the wet nap on my personality and I'm better. Like, I, I don't know. Oh my gosh. I'm Donald now. <laughs> yeah I, I finally uh, wiped off all the juggalo makeup and this is what i actually look like <laughs> you know an actual productive citizen but yeah. more shoddy is i i think i actually kind of like that i mean i i think that they have to and they have a plan for it because rafe has actually said that it should be it'll seem seamless um which means that they if it's actually seamless they'll actually need to put in a reason for it because it it's not seamless if you just never talk about it. That's not what seamless means. Uh, but at the same time, I do think, I, I, I would be totally fine if they just did the, uh, the mummy part three thing where they just switch actresses and then just never talk about it at all. <laughs> That was that's great. I love that shit. I'm gonna be kind of funny. I'm not gonna lie. But but yeah. Um so let's do uh I think we probably have time say, for one more. I was gonna say, do we want to yeah, if we only have time for one more. We uh, do if there's some on, I mean, yeah, I think Nynaeve is still pretty much on track for, yeah. for book Nynaeve. Uh if anything, she's more more well fleshed out um her rationale and reason for disliking the Aes Sedai uh Dame Moraine is a bit more fleshed out than you know you came into our village and you know took our children like it's all it's a lot better now it gives her a more believable reason to instantly hate other than like you're bonded to the guy I have the hots for yep so uh, I do like that yeah honestly I think that Nynaeve and Rand are probably the ones that I feel are pretty fairly close to the book still um obviously the event of the way that they ended the season they the actual like nuts and bolts of the the activities that they're doing is not the same mm-hmm. um but i think as far as inside who they are as characters is actually pretty similar as far as nine even rand are concerned um yeah. moraine i also agree that she's uh what <laughs> i don't know how they're gonna go ahead and get her back to book maureen because yeah. that's uh that's an adventure 
I don't really, I think the events with Moraine and how she ends season one is very different. I don't think that Moraine as Moraine is really all that different than how she is in Eye of the World. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't. I mean, and I, that's how I, I read her. That's um, fair. You know, uh, obviously, like on a reread, I know that Moraine actually has genuine good like motives behind why she's acting the way she is. Oh, 100%. So, yeah. And I think it's all understandable, but I mean, yeah, I I see book Moraine and TV show Moraine is very, very similar um, with the only differences really being like in events. Like obviously in the books, we didn't get an expanded low game role. There was no meeting up with with Alana and um, Leandrin and and Leandrin and the rest of the and the rest of the group. Trying to think of the other green sisters, the one that actually dies. Oh, uh, Karine. Yeah, Karine. Um, obviously, that doesn't happen in the books. Obviously, by the time we start reading in the books, Karine has been dead for at least a couple of years, uh, as long as her, as well as her warder, yeah, warder uh, in yeah. the books. But, but yeah, um, I don't know. I, I feel like they made. Where where book ran and a lot of this, of course, is because we got his perspective in the books, was right. a lot more of the kind of concerned about his love interest ran, and a lot of his motivations were explained, and mm-hmm. why he acted the way he did was better explained, so it was less jarring the way he acted. I think. Um, I whereas in that. the TV show, it's a lot more, uh, it's a lot more negative in uh, in appearance. I, I think. Um, which is again something that's at least semi unavoidable, and I think I also think by the end of the books or end of season one, it does kind of come through why Rand has been acting the way he did. Um, yeah, kind of like with the books, some of it you have to piece together and, and figure out for yourself, but I think it still comes through um, at least in episodes one through seven. <laughs> we don't um, talk about eight. Yeah, we don't talk about eight as much no so because yeah, when we I do mean, we talk a lot about it <laughs> i mean because there's a lot about rand that is still in line with the books mm. it's just an altered and in some ways accelerated timeline from the yes. books well and of course one of the things that we haven't technically mentioned uh, at this point which um does actually make a little bit more sense as far as why they went away from this with Egwene, for example, as well as with Nynaeve. Um, and also, you know, some of the changes that they made with Perrin is that, again, TV show characters, all of the, the five TV show characters are older than their book counterparts. And so it definitely does make it a situation where... Um, their motivations wouldn't be the same completely at least. Uh, And some of them would be, you know, distinctly different between, you know, Oh, a 16 year old and a 25 year old. Like those, those ages are just so starkly different and what you're thinking about and how you're thinking about them is not completely different, but like, the way that you think when you're those different ages and even like 20 to 25, you don't even have to go all the way back to 16, but like the way that you think about things when you're a 20 year old is starkly different 
than when you're a 25 year old, when you're a 30 year old, when you're whatever. And so the definitely aging them up changes a lot of the reasons that they're doing the things that they're doing while also not destroying that. It's not like it's a completely different character. It's just distinctly different than their book counterparts. Yeah. I I don't disagree. Um Meh. so yeah. Um I guess final thoughts at this point. Yeah. I mean, uh I would land, say that land seems pretty on point. Yeah, I was, I was gonna bring that up in my final thoughts. Is that overall, I still think that uh, once when I was watching the show, I felt like the the show was doing a relatively good job of capturing the characters while also changing events and also changing some motivations. Um, they're definitely the outliers like Perrin, who very much feels like the changes in motivation actually changed his character. Um, and so that I'm not super disappointed in because I still think that they can get him back to where I feel like he needs to be, but at the same time also doesn't need to. And uh, and I'm going to say it one more time for the people in the back. This is a discussion about what Amazon can do or needs to do if they wish not that they need to, not that we need them to, but if they decide that that's how they want to go, this is the, the roadmap for that. Um, and yeah, the, the two that I definitely felt like were furthest away uh, from book were Perrin and Matt, uh, followed somewhat closely by Egwene. Uh, as, as we already discussed, you know, uh, Lan, Rand, Nynaeve, all of them, I think, feel pretty darn close. So they just need to, to get the events where they need to be to follow book uh, rather than, you know, change the characters. But yeah, I, I like a lot of the things that they're doing. There are some things I'm not a huge fan of, but overall, we also only have one season. So it's not totally fair to judge everything that they're doing on the eight episodes that we got. <laughs> but that being said, what do you think? Um, I agree with the caveat that the only one I feel that ultimately is is really that different is Matt. Um, I feel like Matt got the most changed as a character. I mean, yeah. the, the motivations for Perrin and kind of like how he acts are definitely different. Um, and I don't particularly like how it was done, but in the end, Perrin is still very much Perrin. Sure. Matt, for the most part, other than like the one-liners that seemed like they were thrown in in an interview of, for like Saturday Night Live. Um, well, they're funny and I still enjoy them. I'm not like dogging the production, but Matt feels the, the same way so many people felt whenever it went from RJ writing Matt to Brandon writing Matt. Is the same way I feel about watching uh, Rafe and Team's rendition of Matt. It still seems like there are core elements of the character that are still there, but it's done very differently. This isn't the mischievous Matt. This isn't the, the happy kind of jokey play pranks Matt. This is the deeply disturbed from a terrible home, friend from poverty, feel sorry for me, but also don't because I do dirt baggy things all the time Matt. And 
I'm not a big fan of it. I really want to see Matt return to closer to book Matt. I don't care if it's Brandon Sanderson Matt or RJ Matt or some amalgamation of the two. I'm just not a big fan of Matt as he is in the TV show. It, it seems like he's kind of painted to be the the dark, disturbed friend when he doesn't need to be there's enough dark and disturbing that happens to the entire company of characters throughout the books uh and in the coming season that's the truth where you don't need it i mean we're going to get so many scenes or we should get so many scenes of a very dark and disturbed uh rand there's going to be uh very dark and disturbing scenes for matt or there should be same for perrin um i just i don't think we needed it now i don't think that's the motivations we needed sure. uh, for Matt. I don't, yeah, I don't necessarily like the way Matt was portrayed. Um, Dagger Matt done very well, but <laughs> sure, the amount, like the, the the small amount of change from regular Matt to Dagger Matt, other than like obvious possession kind of yeah. scenes, like whenever the Fade shows up when they're at the farm, I, I don't really need it. Like there's supposed to be a very stark contrast between. Matt before the dagger and then Matt with the dagger and then again Matt after the dagger. Yeah. And it just seems like Matt dagger Matt in season one is was just an aspect of regular a, Matt. Essentially, yeah, just regular Matt, but just all negative. Yeah. Um, rather than a complete change from the jovial mischievous character that uh, at least I I grew to love. But yeah. that's that's my biggest hope is that they bring matt back to closer at least to to book matt rather than my chemical romance matt no that's fair yeah um but yeah so uh that'll do it for this episode uh as soon as we are done recording i will be editing i'll probably hop over in the patreon chat for uh, our patrons here that are listening live if you have the time want to sacrifice the time whatever uh the reason or excuse is however i can guilt you into coming and chatting for a little bit let's do that um, excellent not that i want you to feel guilty but you know you should come and chat why not um because i have a very long night ahead of me but it is definitely worthwhile if you were at jordan con if you're listening to this when it's released publicly of course the friday after jordan con has ended um if you came we hope we got to see you we hope we got to say hi uh and if not we'll definitely be seeing you next year at jordan con 2023 uh, and if you didn't come up and say hi to us i don't know why because i might have resting bitch face but <laughs> I'm, I'm more awkward than i am an asshole until you get to know me that i'm more of an asshole than i am awkward <laughs> Aww. But uh, <laughs> if you did get to come to Jordan Con, we hope that you thoroughly enjoyed it. We hope we got to hang out, have some drinks, uh, or you know, just have some discussions or whatever the case happened. Uh, if you're listening live, again, don't forget to bring your BTP challenge coins if you have them. If you don't have one and you're owed one, let us know that you'd like for us to bring it to you at Jordan Con. Again, you have until I don't know six. You have about eight hours. Uh, to make sure Daniel knows so that he has time to pack them 
that kind of stuff. I'll bring um, a handful of extras just in case so you have until the end of Jordan Con to tell me. But if like 12 people tell me at Jordan Con, I'm not going to be able to make that all happen. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, but we look forward uh, to seeing everybody there. Um, Agreed. And hopefully you enjoyed this episode. And uh, if you don't get to see us at JordanCon, WattCon is coming up in July. WattCon.com for that. Uh, well, there'll be more Watt coming out about WattCon in the coming weeks and months. So uh, for those of us here at Black Tower Podcast, I have been your Bajan Mahale Andrew. Josh, your Soravan Mahale has uh, been here with us in spirit, but he better be fucking packing like a madman because he is mad. And I'm sure he is. We're all mad here. Yep. And I have been Daniel, your Amon Khan Mahal. And I actually just realized that we did not introduce ourselves at the beginning of this episode. They didn't know oh, who yeah. we were all the way up until this point. <laughs> but Surprise. no, this is, this was this is a fun was episode. Andrew, but it was me, Dio. Oh! <laughs> you thought was B, but was really Doggo. Bamboozled again. <laughs> I have been the bamboozled. Uh, indeed. But thank you guys for coming. I know that it was a little bit of a shorter episode. We do sort of apologize for that, but there's so much going on this weekend. Uh, but we do love you, and we definitely wanted to have uh, an episode this week for you guys because we, we think you guys are awesome. Um, so thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. If you are you know, listening live, awesome. If you're not listening live, uh, we do this for you anyway. We still love you guys. Um, Everybody have a great time at JordanCon this weekend. Uh, stay safe, stay healthy. If you aren't going to JordanCon, go to FOMOCon. I'm sure that there will actually be a lot of activities going on there. Uh, and we got to hop into some stuff last year. So we look at, uh, we're looking to do that again this year. Uh, so hopefully we'll see all of you around. Um, and from all of us here at the Black Tower, we hope that you're having a lovely morning. And in case we don't see you again, good afternoon, good evening. Trouble just fitting in.